Hello and welcome back to the Highway to Hoover podcast, a production of SEC Extra at D1Baseball.com. I'm your host, Joe Healy, joined as always by my co-host, Mark Etheridge. We're here to recap week eight in the SEC, the fourth week of conference play. Uh, Before we get to any of that, I have to let you know that this episode and every episode of Highway to Hoover this season is brought to you by Brock's Gap Brewing Company in Hoover, Alabama. A reminder to mark your calendars for Monday, May 22nd, that evening, the night before the SEC tournament begins. We will be doing a live edition of Highway to Hoover at Brock's Gap. We're excited about that. So uh, more details to uh, to come shortly because we want to give you enough time to, to plan for that. So more details to come, but just mark your calendars if that's something that you might be interested in attending. And visit brocksgapbrewing.com for more information. If you're if you're local, for more information on events, food trucks, you know the local beer they have there, um, you can do that at brocksgapbrewing.com. Mark another week of of SEC action in the books, and uh, I think the undisputed winner was Mother Nature. Um, it was just one of those weekends where every every series, just about, I, I guess Vanderbilt, Mizzou, it looked beautiful in Columbia, Missouri. But that was really kind of about it in terms of series in the SEC that weren't affected in one way or the other by rain. And, and you're just going to have that when you try to play this sport in, in the spring in the South. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we didn't have any sweeps, you know, and that has been kind of the, the, the story of the early part of the SEC season, our, our first week without one. But there were plenty of, plenty of surprises. And, and I do feel like, you know, this is more of what we expected, um, not the sweeps that we had the first couple of weeks, but more of the competitive, not knowing who's going to win each week because the teams are so tightly bunched. Let's start with the the top line item here, which is was actually a series split, uh, disappointingly and, and interestingly. Even though it was only two games, it was maybe the most compelling series of the entire weekend. That's LSU and South Carolina. And I have a little bit of a feeling that it's not the worst thing in the world for either side. They split those two games because I feel like both sides can kind of come away feeling pretty good about that. Right. I mean, if you're South Carolina, Hey, you got to, I mean, you got to Paul Skeens more than anybody has this season. And who knows if it weren't for the delay that kind of forced him and Will Sanders, by the way, from the game, you know, maybe he would have settled in. I would probably bet on that. But as it is, South Carolina got to him and, you know, then they have the delay and then they really just kind of run away with things once they get into the LSU bullpen. But on the on the other side of the spectrum, LSU can look at it and say, hey, look, we we didn't play well to start the series, but we had a really impressive comeback on Friday to win that game and split that series. And right now it just looks like a really quality road win. So, yeah, I think both teams would are probably looking at it also saying, "Ah, gosh, if we could have won this series, if we play one more game. But honestly, I think you can take. I, I, I think there's just a lot of positive for both sides to take. I'm not really sure one side or the other comes out feeling any sort of negative about the way things happened. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think there's, you know, with, with the whole scheme, he's just been so good, and you know, it, it's easy to say, oh, South Carolina just they they lit him up, right? Well, they had two swings because the uh, the. There was an error and then a two-run bomb and then another home run, you know, in the other inning. He struck eight of the of the nine outs he recorded. So um, I, it would have been interesting to see, you know, second, you know as they continue to, to get multiple looks at him, how that would have materialized. But I think the story for me was how well Will Sanders pitched. I mean, that's the best he's looked all year. It's a shame he only got to go three innings because he, he was dealing, and this was what South Carolina fans have been hoping to see out of Sanders this year. Uh, I think that the other part of this is South Carolina controlled much of that series, um, well, those two games. Other than the, you know, the grand slam that Duga hit in the, in the eighth inning, South Carolina controlled the entire thing, right? And then the, the walk or the, the game-winning hit in the ninth. So, yeah, we did see that South Carolina can play with what most of us consider the best team in the country, and and not just play with them, but kind of kind of have their way for 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 what we saw. I think the other side of that, if you're on the LSU side, is just the the fight that they showed uh, when they got punched in the mouth. Um, 
and and didn't pitch well in game two. Floyd just couldn't throw strikes. Um, they were able to stay game, minimize the you know the, the the margin they had to make up, and then make a run. And those are the kinds of moments that you know when you get in that situation again that you can lean on and go, hey, remember in Columbia when we were down and we made that valiant comeback and won the game. I think those are those are huge moments that that a team like LSU can can build on the other part of this is we didn't get to see what they look like on Sunday. Thatcher Hurd was going to, to be moved to the pen and, and Christian little was going to start. And I think most of us were kind of curious to see how that was going to go. And as I guess that'll get, I, I don't know if, if they'll throw little, a little bit uh, Tuesday when they play Tulane, but They've got Kentucky in a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series at the box this weekend. So it's it, that that to me is is one of those um, intriguing parts of the LSU storyline. Is you know not only on Sunday but or Game Three, but you know Floyd wasn't really that effective uh, in Game Two either. So trying to figure that out while they're dealing with the injuries, and we haven't even talked about that, but the, the injuries that they're facing that that has trunk that deep bullpen yeah i mean that that really feels like the at the risk of of getting away from the on-field action it does feel like the the big lsu story right now is that the the pitching injuries and you know Mm -hmm. the the full accounting of it of course grant taylor before the season more recently chase shores there's you know kind of some uh just opacity about his status we'll have to see about him nate ackenhausen has been missing an action. Then Garrett Edwards got hurt over the weekend. And the initial reaction with yeah. the Garrett Edwards was actually, maybe it's, it's not, not bad. Uh, you know, I think Jay Johnson said after the game that, you know, it was, it was about as good an update as you could, you could get, you know, given the, mm-hmm. given the situation. So perhaps he's not going to be missing all that long, but if he, if he does miss any time, it's another blow to a pitching staff that, that just feels a lot thinner than we anticipated it would when you consider those injuries. Plus that, we're not really sure what they're going to get from Thatcher Hurd in any given week. So I, I would, for any LSU fans listening, I would, I would also warn you from being too worried about that. I mean, it is a concern. Yes, but you've got a couple things going for you. One is that Paul Skeens is a cheat code in game one of the series. So, you know, he's really saving. He, he allows you to save basically all your best cards to play theoretically for the last two games of the series from a bullpen standpoint. The other thing yeah. I would say is that, History is littered with tons of examples of teams that still got to Omaha and still competed for national titles with pitching staffs that on paper were extremely thin, right? Mm-hmm. Ole Miss last year found, I don't found is probably too flippant a word, but discovered who Hunter Elliott and Dylan DeLucia were halfway through the season. And in their yeah. bullpen had Brandon Johnson and Josh Mallets and Mason Nichols. And, you know, there were some guys here and there. Jack Doherty had some moments. But long story short is like that didn't feel like a pitching staff that was like this juggernaut, right? Like Arkansas gets to Omaha all the time with pitching staffs that feel like they're an arm or two short. So just because you've had this type of bad luck, for lack of a better way of putting it, does not end the the dream of of what this team is trying to accomplish. Does it make it harder? Sure. Does it mean that this team may not end up being the absolute juggernaut that we thought they could be? I mean, I think already they've taken more losses than we would have expected them to take through the first four series of the season. But um, by no means is this season suddenly going to just go off the rails because they've been dealt some pitching injuries. That's kind of the way it goes, and it's the way college baseball tends to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, the last thing on LSU, and we can move on, but just they've had a very challenging schedule. If you look at the teams at the top of the SEC, no one's played as, as, as tough a slate as they have inside the conference. And, and I think – so that means it's going to even out. And as the season progresses, you're going to be playing teams that are lower in the standings, which would give you a, obviously a better chance to, to have success. And so that sets up well if you're trying to handicap the rest of the SEC race in the next six weeks. Um, even though LSU's not in first place right now, uh, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised if they end up there. Yeah, I heard you uh, on the on the Nerdcast, which I would recommend anybody who um, doesn't already listen to the D1 Baseball Nerdcast, uh, go back and listen to the one they recorded last week. And then uh, 
no nerdcast this week, but then in following weeks they'll do one weekly. But long story short, there was a, a debate to be had about is LSU the number one overall seed because the resume isn't that of a number one overall seed necessarily, but we're still early enough to where you have to do a heavy amount of projection. And if you think they're the best team, then that's probably who deserves to to be in that spot. So we're we're still very much in that period of time where you can look at the standings and draw one conclusion but if you do a little bit of projection it's easy to draw a different different one altogether so uh, yeah. one team that has both looked the part in terms of resume and in terms of the standings is, is florida and they keep rolling uh, with the series win over over tennessee over the weekend and in the battle of rotations that are extremely talented but maybe had underperformed a little bit in recent weeks florida won that battle brandon sprout yeah. was solid hurston waldrop was solid they held up there into the bargain and on the other side, Chase Dolander and Chase Burns really didn't. And I've been asked a lot about them in recent weeks on my radio hits and, and podcast guest appearances. And I've I've sounded the alarm on Burns more than Dolander. I think Dolander, by and large, has been pretty solid. But, but Burns is where a lot of the concern is for me. And I think we saw that again, where it's not just that he's had some hits get clustered together. I mean, he's getting hit hard. Yeah. And it's been a long time since he's had an outing that's really... Um, been like a, a classic Chase Burns outing. So that I mean, that's something I'm watching moving forward because Tennessee does have options, right? I mean, Camden Sewell is healthy. He's a guy who can get stretched out. I'm sure they have other guys in their pitching staff that could, you know, Xander Sechrist is a guy who's really good in the, in the midweeks. Mid yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they do have options. Do they consider making that move? Because it's one thing if you're Florida and it's like, well, we don't really want to do anything with Caglione on Sundays necessarily because we're still winning games and winning series. Well, you know, Tennessee's five and seven in the league. So they're already in a situation where they're going to have to make a move in order to host much less to be a national seed, which was kind of the fair, or not the expectation for this team. So that's a storyline I'm watching because I think they would like to keep Burns there and just let him work through it. But man, he's really getting hit hard and struggling. Yeah. To, to make your point on Burns, here's something that, that I wrote in the weekend-ish. I mean, three SEC starts. He's 0-3 with 11.94 ERA, 329 batting average against. He's given up eight home runs and 10 doubles in 17 innings. Okay. So this is one of the most talented pitchers in the country, and those are the I – mean, he's been utterly hittable. And you just have to, you, know, you have to wonder what's going on. I, at this point, I would like to see them start someone else, even if it's just an opener, right? Just to mix things up and let him come, come behind out the pressure, and just come in and and just go go do you. Don't worry about trying to to go seven innings, come out and give us, you know, what you give us, and and, and let pressure fall on someone else. See if you can get him kind of re-energized or whatever's going on because he was so good last year and he's just this year he it's something missing so it's missing you change it right you you try to try to figure it out i think from a florida standpoint that offense is just so good uh it's hard to be concerned about you know they're they're pitching on sunday but the pitching on sunday was not good did you see how many people they walked uh, in, in our game three and how did they walk in game three 18 yeah. 18 yeah hey how does a division one college baseball team walk 18 batters in a game that's two an inning <laughs> i mean yeah so i mean it all started because kegs walked what he walked six of the first of the only eight batters he faced so obviously there, you know, but there were still 12 the rest of the way, right? The, the, the next eight and the third innings, it's, it's just one of those things where it's, you, you wonder if, like we talked about with Burns, does he need a different role? This just to kind of relax and Hey, we take a weekend focus on hitting or we're going to use you as a star. Right? We're going to bring you in for a key situation and you just come in and throw, throw three digits and don't worry about it. Right. Some kind of, some kind of just to, just, just to change things up to, to try to get him. Cause he's obviously super talented. It's not like people are hitting him. He's just not, not finding the plate. So, you know, that's, 
those are those are interesting things to deal with because you've got uber talented players that just aren't meeting your expectations. So how, how do you deal with it? Yeah, I would certainly be interested to see him in a, in a back end role where you could just, to your point, just tell him to air it out and mm-hmm. you know, where th- the classic reliever thing of, well, as long as you strike out three before you walk four, we're okay because mm-hmm. yeah, he's not really getting hit. So um, yeah, I, I'd be interested in that. We'll, we'll see again, Florida keeps winning series. So it's like, you know, is, is there some value in just kind of letting him work through it? Because it's clearly not affecting his offensive game very much, if at all. all so, right. you know, it is a little bit of a difficult thing to juggle there on Tennessee. One more thing is that they, they have this pattern now of, of losing series, but like having blowout wins and finales. And, and I think, you know, yeah. I think that's probably just a quirk. Like, I don't think there's necessarily anything to that. But what I will say is I do think it shows the value of having Drew Beam as a Sunday guy, Agreed. just because yeah. he is so much better than your average Sunday option. There are so many teams that we could sit here and go through it and we won't, but there are a lot of teams in the SEC that don't really have a set Sunday plan, right? You know, K- mm-hmm. Kentucky does, you know, Zach Lee. Okay, that's, that's a good pitcher. But the, the number of Sunday plans that are set in stone are in very, very small. And so Tennessee has one, and he's great. And he's had some outings the last few weeks that maybe weren't great, but he was excellent this past weekend. And so he's just such a value add for Tennessee as, I mean, he's excellent out of context, right? As a Friday guy, he'd be excellent. But the fact that you have that guy in your third game of the weekend when so many yeah. other teams are just like a hope and a prayer on the mound is, is a real game changer for them. It's a huge advantage. And, you know, he struck out 10 against Florida and that's a really good lineup. So, uh, and, and they really, and they needed it because they got dumped those first two days. Uh, those, those are not nail biters that just went the other way, which you can make the case the LSU series was, but the Florida series and that's in Knoxville. Uh, it, it was it was a different look until the third game, and then the balls kind of they they flexed, and and they needed to. And you know, we we talked about this last week, but having to play LSU, Florida, and they go Arkansas, and then they have Vandy. I mean, that's you won't play four teams that good, you know, postseason, right? And you're doing this back to back, so it's just a it, it's a it's a tough pill. To, to have to swallow right now because you're going to lose some of those games. You're going to, you just hope that, you know, if you're, if you're a Tennessee man, that you can start to win a couple of these so that you don't bury yourself and have too much ground to make up so that you can't uh, earn a host fight. Yeah. Last thing, and we'll move on is, is that I had, a, I had a note on my rundown sheet about just readjusting expectations for Tennessee. And I think Tony Vitello has been a little bit open about this early in the season that look that the media is, has us ranked number two. I think they were a consensus number two. We certainly had them number two. Um, And that's probably, and he was open about saying like, that's probably a little rich for what we, as good as we actually are, we're going to have to, you know, prove that. Um, And so, but I think even, even in that context, I think they've struggled a little bit more than, than maybe we anticipated. And so, it is a little bit of a readjustment of like, okay, this, this may not be a national seed team. Certainly it may not even be a host team. And I, I just think we need to evaluate them kind of on that basis, as opposed to what we thought they, they could be because maybe they, maybe they won't be that, but you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, moving on Arkansas. Those are, so those were the two big series. We've got some other interesting stuff though. Arkansas survives a road trip to Ole Miss. I, I wrote about this after Saturday's win that, it's something I've been thinking about. I've said it on the podcast before I've said it on, you know, radio appearances and stuff like no program in the sec just figures out a way better than Arkansas. So I wrote about it. If you've not read it on sec extra, I'd recommend you go check it out. You know, Hunter Holland came back and he was, and was great. You know, he, he returned to form, but you know, two weekends ago, he wasn't very good and they still found a way to win that series this weekend. Will McIntyre sick leading up to the weekend, so he can't take his turn. They put Hagen Smith back in the rotation. That works out. They, you know, he, he gave them a solid outing. Will McIntyre kind of guts it out and comes back in the finale and was okay, you know, especially con- mm-hmm. considering what he was what he was dealing yeah. with. They got a you know a season best outing from Gage Wood, a freshman in that finale. He was excellent. Again, they, you know, this is not a team for which things have gone easy right i mean this is not a team that's been cruising necessarily and i feel like we've maybe 
overlooked them a little bit in the conversations about the best teams in the in the country, largely because we kind of understand inherently that like, you know, they've had injuries and they, you know, we, we have some questions in various places, but they just kind of continue to win games. And uh, Mike Rooney gave me the stat yesterday that Arkansas has now started eight or four, eight and four in SEC through 12 games in SEC play or better in each of the last six years. And that's just incredible when you consider that we just told you that Tennessee is five and seven, Texas A&M, which was a preseason top 10 team is five and seven. The fact that they in the last six years have not had a year like that, we're just like stuff happens. You have two bad weekends. Um, The fact that that hasn't happened is just incredible. Speaks to the consistency and and what I was saying that this team just finds a way. Yeah, they do. And I think, you know, them having to piece together because they are a couple guys short. And I think, you know, with Smith being able to give you that flexibility and, and you know, he can be a boom guy, he can be a, a closer, you know, extended relief guy, or he can come in and start for you as he did uh, when they really needed it. And then the other part of that is, is McIntyre being able to give you innings because that's really what you needed. Right. Th- that was, that was huge for, for, for Arkansas in game three and it, got him to a place where Wood comes in and he's just, he's lights out, man. He's, you know, he's just a, basically it's fastball heavy and he's coming in with it and here it is. See what you can do with it. And it's, you know, it's a high nineties fastball. I mean, it's, it's legit. So it just, we, we tend to get, you know, at least I do. I, I tend to get a little bit enamored with you need pitches to be successful and, and all of this. Well, when you can throw a fastball and put it where you want it in the high nineties, you can be effective. Okay. You don't, you don't have to trick people if, if you're just better than they are. And, and that's the, and, and that's what we saw. Now the, the point of this is he's going to have to continue to do that. And he's going to have to, to execute it at a level week after week, or it's going to catch up with you. But, but it was a, it was a really good moment for Arkansas in a you know, road environment with a series that kind of keeps them in within striking distance so that they can still meet all of the goals that they want, you know, host site, you know, top eight seed, all that kind of stuff still on the table because they, they continue to win games. As far as Ole Miss, uh, you know, they're two and 10 in the league and look at who they played. I mean, it's just been brutal. There would be a lot in country who would have a similar or worse record if they played those same four teams, but still they're the defending national champions. Your expectations are higher. And you, so it's, it's disappointing. And, you know, I kind of went through this trying to decide, you know, I did an SEC pecking order. Okay. And trying to decide who's at the bottom. And I don't really think Ole Miss is the 14th, you know, team in the league, but I don't have any way to justify them not being right. So this it's just a big jumble mass at the bottom. And I thought they played better this weekend. They certainly got better pitching. Uh, they, you know, there, there were a couple of hits short uh, in the losses, but I, I don't be surprised once the schedule lets up and, it does because no one other than what we talked about with what Tennessee's doing with their four week stretch is going to play any tougher four games in a row than what Ole Miss has already done. So it gets easier. So there are wins out there. It starts this weekend for them. They go to Starkville, play a resurgent Mississippi state team. That's feeling a lot better about themselves right now. So it's, it's a great opportunity for Ole Miss to go in, kind of kick it to your kick, kick your rival a little bit. But also, they need to get have some positive things going on, to so so that they can make a move and and just try to get back in this race. Yeah, that I was going to mention that with Ole Miss is like don't you know don't give up on them. I mean, they're in a mm-hmm. now they are in a pretty dire place. Like they are, it, it is similar to the nadir of last season. The last season was a little bit more advanced in the season seven and fourteen, so yeah. they've got time on their side in a way they didn't necessarily last year, but the rest of their sec series are as follows. Now they do have LSU in there. So that's obviously a big challenge, but the other series they have in front of them are Mississippi state, Georgia, Missouri, Auburn, and Alabama. Every single one of those series is winnable. Um, Because to your point, they might have the 14th, they might have the worst record in the sec, but they're not the least talented team. 
They've also they're also not the team that's played the least inspiring baseball because that for the most part has been Mississippi State, you know. So um, they are better than two and ten. They've had a rough go of it, but yeah, I mean, and they've had some positives. Xavier Rivas has been pretty solid in SEC play. He's been their best starter, best arm period, yeah. arguably in a lot of ways. So um, JT JT Quinn was good. Uh, I yeah, thought, JT Quinn. I watched taking a lot steps of that. Forward. Yeah, and 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 Sonia pitched well in the midweek. So you get him back going and there's another bullet, but you know, cause he, he really didn't give him much in his last couple midweek starts. So there's yeah. some reasons for optimism, um, despite where, you know, you're looking up at everybody in the, in the standings right now. Georgia got a series win they, they had to have, it felt like this, mm-hmm. this felt a little like Auburn getting a series win two weekends ago uh, against Georgia, by the way. Um, it, for Georgia to get something going, they really needed it, but they, they, they win two of three against Kentucky and used, I felt, you know, when, when it was announced that game two of that series was going to get bumped and it was going to be a Sunday doubleheader, I thought, okay, advantage Georgia because mm-hmm. Kentucky has more pitching depth than Georgia. Now, as it turns out, Kentucky or Georgia got good starts. So maybe that wouldn't have mattered, but yeah. Um, but certainly it, it, it helped on paper that Georgia didn't have to cover 18 innings instead. It only had to cover 14. And I think that helped, but I um, mean, and those double headers, those 70 double headers, wonky stuff happens. You know, history is littered with examples in sec play of, of, of those seven inning double headers, just giving us weird results. And so I wasn't shocked that it went this way. Um, a lot of good stuff for Georgia. It, if you're looking for the most optimistic reading of it, it's that this is kind of what, at their best, Georgia can look like. Jaden Woods had a no-hitter going into the sixth inning. Now, they lose that game. The bullpen gave it up. Kentucky fought back. Kudos to Kentucky. And that could be a big win in hindsight because you just can't get swept. Um, but Liam Sullivan looked like the non-conference yeah. version of Liam Sullivan. <laughs> and Charlie Goldstein, that's probably the – I didn't look at this. I should have. Probably the best Sunday outing, Sunday quote-unquote, outing mm-hmm. that they've gotten from any starter. So, you know – maybe there's something there. So, and the offense just did enough. Charlie Condon had another big weekend. So, um, but it, it, when you start to talk about making a run, like this is a series, Georgia kind of, kind of had to have. And on the flip side, Kentucky would have liked to have had it uh, for the obvious reasons, but also because don't look now, but Kentucky kind of has the opposite experience of Ole Miss where the rest of basically the entire rest of their season is brutal in terms of what they have in front of them, starting with LSU this weekend. So, um, you know, they, they need, they wanted, and they did largely, I was going to say they needed to bank as many wins as they did. And honestly, nine and three, if you had given them that starting the season, I think they take it. So they have banked quite a few wins and, but it, but it is worth understanding what they're going into that. If you just thought Kentucky was going to be a team that, Hey, this is going to be a national seed. They're number one in RPI. And I don't know what they are now, but number they're number one in RPI and they're, they're all, yeah, they're off to a, a heck of a start. They're going to be a national seed. Well, it's not going to be quite that easy. Maybe they will. And if they if they navigate this gauntlet, then they deserve to be a national seed. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not going to be as easy as they made it look the first few weeks of conference play because it because it is a gauntlet ahead of them. Yeah. Well, Georgia, we've said all year that you know the offense is is solid. Some case, sometimes other than solid, they just haven't been pitching at a level that that's you know, SEC winning level, and they did. They got great starting pitching, and and the bullpen was in the rubber game, got it done. You know, there was a little bit of wondering, all right, are they going to blow another blow another lead here? But no, they were able to, to come in and get it done. And, and that's the thing. If pitch, they limit base runners, which was especially important against Kentucky because they, they manufacture them so well. Um, I think that that's the recipe and that's how they're successful. And that's how they get back in this thing. Cause I mean, no one is out of the regional hunt right now. No Ole Miss, not anybody. Okay. Everybody in the SEC, the lowest PI is 42. Okay. The worst 42. So if you win enough conference games, it's all there. You, you just got to get to probably 13, maybe 12 if you have something else, with depending on what happens around the rest of the country. But if you can get to 13 and you have a top, say, 35 RPI, you're probably going to get it. 
I mean, that's what history would tell us. So Georgia's right. They're in position to, to get all this done if they can win conference games. Now, on the flip side of this, Kentucky, you made a good point, nine and three. If you give them that before the season starts, they're, they're, where do I sign? Uh, it's, it, it's, it, it's a great start. But now we're going to find out what kind of staying power the Wildcats have. Because, you know, going to LSU, um, you know, they've still got, you know, South Carolina and Bandy and Tennessee and all, you know, who am I leaving? I mean, just, it's brutal down the stretch, Florida. So, we're going to find out how well um, their pitching staff handles these elite offenses. And we're going to find out if they, how they're, uh, manufacturing run approach works against pitchers that are going to get a lot of strikeouts. Okay. So you're not going to get as many you know, balls in play and, and, and things like that to use your, use your aggressiveness. So th- those are fascinating and we'll find out how they, how, how it starts starting Thursday night. Cause that's a, that's a nice marquee matchup. Uh, I'll get, get the audience all to themselves uh, against, against LSU and, and Paul Skeens. Yeah, no, no test bigger. Certainly, uh, the, on the road against Paul Skeens is, is probably the most daunting sentence you can utter in the SEC this uh-huh. season. Um, yeah, just the first speed bump for Kentucky, and, and we'll see how they how they bounce back. But it it definitely, you know, if if if, if you've been a skeptic about some of their offensive production this this weekend, certainly was something you could point to to say like, aha, you know, they 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 got behind and they couldn't keep up, and they you know, and and it's it's not that simple, um, certainly, but that is something they're going to have to prove that, that they can do because this is not the last time that they will get behind early in a game and have to fight their way back. And that, you know, they did it on Friday, right? So they showed they can do it. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, can you do it against best of the, the best arms in, in the country and all due respect to Georgia, they've, they've not seen those yet. So, but they will, yeah. uh, Texas A&M continues to heat up. seems like they're, they're getting into a better, better place. They win their series against, against Auburn. And I thought this was, you know, on the on the Auburn side, it was again like Auburn's going to fight you like hell, but they're just a little undermanned, and it felt like again a situation where, you know, they just, they, you know, just just couldn't quite get it across the finish line, and you know, had to really fight for even the win they got because, boy, that that bullpen was a white knuckle ride in the in the game they won mm-hmm. against A and M, and they got a line out right at an outfielder to to win that game, and a big sigh of relief. So. um but but on the AM side, I think you look, there are still questions about this AM team, but they are trending in the right direction. The offense looks like the offense we thought it was going to be. Brett Minnick is healthy and swinging the bat well. Trevor Werner is starting to swing the bat well. A lot of positives for, for AM, and it's a team that I'm really intrigued by their trajectory because I I do wonder, like, look, they're still gonna have to mask some of those pitching issues, but um, this looks a lot closer to the version of AM that we thought we were gonna get to start the season. Yeah, I agree. And they're hitting the ball out of the park. And that's the thing. In to, today's college baseball, where walks are such a big part of the game, AM does a good job of building up pitch counts, getting deeper into bullpens, and then getting the clutch hit when men on base. And a lot of times the clutch hit Lee Yard. So that's that's been the recipe as part of this resurgence that, that AM is, is on. The pitching is still, you know, it's just adequate. I, I guess would at this point, they they need innings out of the starter. The bullpen is, you know, it's inconsistent. We'll call it. There, there's some good and bad, but uh, I do think that they're in position, and that's where you kind of have to be at this point. Uh, you don't want to get buried, like we talked about with with Ole Miss, and and A and M's been able to do that. And they've won two series in a row, kind of the pecking order, kind of that could have gone either way, with 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 Auburn and Miss, and, and I think that's they you know, have another one with Missouri coming up. So it's if if you're able to consistently get two out of three of those series, you you're going to end up in a you know in the postseason, and and that's a team that you know once they get there. I think that, you know, there'll be a challenge. They just got to get there. As far as Auburn, I mean, it's the same story. The offense is really good, scary. 
I mean, they're, they're going to score runs. They're going to beat you up. They just – they're so short on the mound. They're not an SEC pitching staff right now. And they keep trying different guys and hoping, you know, people develop and evolve and gain experience and improve. And and you get some of that, and then the next week, maybe not so much. And and I think that's – I mean, that, that double header they had to play was a killer. I mean, what was the stats on that was – um, walked 25 A&M batters over the two games through 433 pitches in the doubleheader. Um, they had starts in the four games this week of two-thirds of an inning, three innings, three and a third, and two-thirds of an inning. I mean, that's – no team really can, can withstand that, especially not this team. They've got to get more out of their starters, and it's if if they don't, you're putting such a big burden on the offense. They've got to win ten to nine, and it's and you're lucky if you hold them to nine. I mean, that's kind of where they are right now. Yeah, I know that you know Butch's Auburn Auburn teams are no stranger to the idea of having to mix and match on the mound. Like they're very comfortable doing that and have had success doing that through the years, but man, that's a stressful way to live because you're, mm-hmm. you, it's not just that you're, you're having to find the pieces, but it's that you're, you're having to evaluate your pitcher's performance in every single inning. There's no like, Hey, let's just roll the ball out there and let's look up in the fifth inning and see where we're at. You know, mm-hmm. unless something crazy happens with Auburn, it's like a minute by minute evaluation of like, do we need to make a move? Who should we have warming? You know, it's so that's just yeah. a stressful way. Stressful way to live, and Auburn for all the world looks like a team that is going to go into Hoover with twelve SEC wins because again they're going to fight you. They're going to win games. The offense is good. They're they clearly not quit or started to like the energy is there, the effort is there, all that stuff. They're they're going to go into Hoover with something like twelve or thirteen SEC wins, and you that is a team on that opening day of play. You're just not going to want to end up opposite of because they're they're going to need those wins, and I think it's just going to be a team that's going to play hard and just not be a lot of fun. So that kind of feels like what their destiny is here. You know, if they're a, end up being a bubble type team, that is going to be an absolute nightmare of a matchup. Now, yeah. if if things take a turn, if Joseph Gonzalez, the next checkup on him, which should be coming up here in a couple of weeks is positive and he gets, you know, that could change the trajectory. Or if some of these young guys, they're rolling out there, take a big step, the trajectory can change, but as is, that's what this Auburn team feels like to me. Yeah. It's, it's just a question of, can they get something out of, their starters. If they do, if they can start getting a four inning start, I know mean, a lot of fans probably aren't too excited about a four inning start, but if they got that uh, all three days in a weekend, they'd be ecstatic and they'd probably win the series. Vanderbilt series win over Missouri in uh, again, what looked like beautiful Columbia, Missouri. It was nice. I mean, it rained here all weekend in Durham, so it was kind of nice to watch Vanderbilt, Missouri games and go, oh man, look at that sunshine. Doesn't that look nice? The real feel there in Columbia was 72. And you know what? Those people have earned it because there were probably some <laughs> miserable games yeah. earlier in the season in Columbia, Missouri. So you know what? There were. Yeah. Yes. Not, there's no probably about it. So like, God bless them. They got to sit outside in the sun and, you know, it feels like temperature is 72. Like good, good for y'all. Look like, and, and jokes aside, look like a great crowd in Columbia. So like kudos to, I know there's a lot of hand wringing about, you know, Mizzou not drawing and, and struggling to get folks out there. And I understand what some of those challenges are. I get it. But it was it was pretty cool to see that, especially on those those day games, to see um, the fan base turn out like that. It was, it was as full as I've seen, and I wasn't there in person, obviously, but as full as I've seen Taylor Stadium um, it, it, ever, really. So, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't paying attention during the heyday necessarily of the mid-aughts, and so I, I couldn't tell you, but... Mm-hmm. Um, certainly as an sec club, it was, it was as good a crowd as, as I can really remember there. So, um, but Vanderbilt does get the series win. it was not without some news, Carter Holton was scratched a late scratch from his start. Soreness was, was the vague term given by Tim Corbin. Aria Gerson tweeted about that. He, he mentioned it on the radio broadcast Some some soreness, and that can mean a lot of things. It could mean nothing. 
uh, we'll see. We're going to have to monitor that. Bryce Cunningham stepped in, did a pretty nice job in, in that in that spot. Um, the big story, though, was in a rubber game, Devin Fatrell again, awesome. In his yeah, last two starts, he's thrown 15, 15 and a third scoreless with no walks. And, you know, Mark talked about the, the trouble that every SEC club basically has had trouble with walks this season, and Vanderbilt's kind of the exception, and Fatrell is right there where yeah. just – you know, pounding the strike zone. So he was really the key in that, in that final game, Missouri did a pretty good job limiting Vanderbilt's offense, which had been so hot. Um, yeah, it's a, you know, that ballpark plays pitcher friendly. So I get it, but you know, they didn't have any big outburst games. So I, I thought Missouri did a pretty nice job there, but Vanderbilt's offense does enough. And, and when they pitch like they largely did, they're, they're just going to be tough. And that's, that's what we talked about at the beginning of the season, right? When we had questions about the Vanderbilt offenses, like this does not have to be the, second coming of 1998 USC or Arizona state to be, to, to win games. Like you just need to score five, six, seven runs a game and you're going to win a lot of ball games. And that's pretty much precisely what they did this weekend. Yeah. I think, you know, I'll start with Missouri. They are a really tough out at home. Okay. We saw what they did with, with Tennessee. They were, they acquitted themselves well against Fandy. That's a really good team in Missouri. Look, Looked like they belonged out there. Uh, I think, you know, the the trick for them is now being able to go on the road and have some success. And College Station isn't a pleasant place for a visiting visiting team to 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 have success. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I think there's again there's a reason for optimism in that. Hey, if we can take care of business at home, we've got a shot because the RPI is where it needs to be. It's just, can you win enough conference games? And that's that's the route. And you can't get swept on the road. And that's already happened twice. There, it really can't happen again. There's not enough. The math won't work. Not unless you, not unless you get some sweeps of your own. So, but, but with Vandy, obviously Carter Holton is such a big part. I mean, he might be after Skeens the next guy in the SEC right now. Uh, and to win a series without him is is important but it's it's also important that you know that this is minor and he can he can return to the lineup because it's not just the loss of your ace but it's a ripple effect and part of what makes Vanderbilt so good is they just have so many guys that come you know that they can go to and you're taking the best guy out of the picture and while that worked this weekend it's going to be challenging going forward so hopefully he returns and uh, you know they've got a big series with south carolina so uh really hope that that he can come back uh, and then offensively they're doing what they need to do man it's it's they continue to lead the the sec in, in batting during conference games uh they're 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 still hitting the ball out of the ballpark some i mean and that's not not really what we expected of them as we entered SEC play. So it's a good, it's a good club and the schedule has been as challenging to this point as it's going to be there. We've talked about some of this before their next six weekends are challenging than the four that they've faced to this point. So it's going to be a, uh, we're going to learn a lot about this Vandy team in the next few weeks. We also will learn quite a bit about two teams as we wrap up with our last series here. Two teams that the re- record-wise in the SEC are not that different, but I think we feel differently about how they've arrived there, and that's Mississippi State winning a series against Alabama, its first SEC series win of the season after getting, you know, last week and got its first SEC win, this week and got its first SEC road win, and then won its first SEC series. So baby steps for Mississippi State, which is progress – Nonetheless, but I think this was a classic example of, look, this is this is all we've really been asking for Mississippi State all season, which is when you pitch reasonably well, reasonably well, is all we're asking for. Like you can win games. I mean, they won a 12 to eight game, you know, so like that's not shutting down the offense. But with their offense, it was it was enough on that day. And that's kind of all they've been looking for. And they haven't even really been able to get that with any consistency. But but they did this weekend and. You know, Cade Smith dipped his toe back in the water as, as an opener and, you know, say what you will, but he covered a couple of innings that weren't getting three in this case mm-hmm. that weren't getting covered before. And that's not nothing, I would say. So, right. um, so they're getting a little bit healthier. I think you saw the value of moving Nate Dome back to the bullpen because, oh, frankly, I don't. Good. 
I don't think they win that finale if they don't have him to throw those four innings and, and shut down Alabama in the way they did. Because Alabama, that had been a pretty seesaw game in that 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 Sunday, Saturday afternoon slash evening mm-hmm. game. Um, you know, it had been kind of back and forth, and they were able to kind of bring Dome in as like the hammer, and then yeah. their offense added on a little bit. But if that continues to be a seesaw game, like I just don't. They haven't won a lot of games like that this season, so I, I would have to think that would be advantage Alabama. But they pull it out, so, um, so I think that was. I think that's progress. Is it going to be enough? I don't know. We'll see. That's just going to be the <laughs> the thing. But it's a team that's now playing more competent baseball. Are there still questions? Yes. Are there still concerns? Absolutely. Do they have a lot of work to do? Yes. <laughs> but when you compare this to where they were two weeks ago, like you, you can squint and see the positives. Yeah. Well, they threw strikes, you know, other than them, they lost, they walked up in that game, but the other, the other two games, they gave themselves a chance. And I think that's, yeah, that with their offense, where is really what they have to do? It's, it's a team with talent that has not, performed at an SEC level time this year. And they did over the weekend uh, for, for those two wins. And that's the, you know, that's where, you know, the consistency and able to do it week after week. And, and that's where you have teams out there. We talked about what Arkansas does every week. It's the same. They fight you and they play well defensively and they pitch well enough. And that's where Mississippi State has got to get to because they're not. Right. But but now you've got something they needed something good to happen and it did. And now, you know, you've got Ole Miss coming in. Ole Miss only won two conference games. Yeah, they're talented, but you know, there'll be a huge crowd. This will they'll be kind of a rejuvenate sorts after winning a road series. I think that's it'll be a fun atmosphere in Starkville this weekend. And and it's something that they can use and beat off that and, and try to turn this because like we mentioned, all of these teams are still in hunt for the season. Not not just Hoover, but for for regional bid. It's just you gotta win enough conference games and it's gonna be tough to get there. But but Mississippi State's in, in position. Now with Alabama, the bullpen is is a problem. Uh, they continue to bl- to blow leads late in games. They haven't won an SEC series, haven't been swept but they haven't won an SEC series yet. And the offense is just, it's good, but not great. So you're not able to just bludgeon people and put the game away. And then, you know, it doesn't matter if your bullpen's, you know, not perfect. And the, and it's just the inconsistency in the bullpen because they'll throw a guy one week and he, you know, like Cade Woods against Florida was as good as anybody's been all year but they really haven't had that since then. And, you know, he was a problem again this weekend. So it's, you know, young guys and new position, uh, new roles, trying to kind of evolve and learn from the experience and, and close games out, but they're just not, you know, it's a talented team. Um, you know, with experience, you would expect a little bit more than four and eight right now. And that's where they are. Uh, they got Auburn coming in and we talked about Auburn's, pitching woes, but Auburn can hit and an arms type of team that can really uh, take advantage of a substandard bullpen. So I would expect 27 innings of fight this weekend with those two teams, um, not just because of the rivalry, but just because of the way the teams are made up. Uh, it's going to be you know, a lot of late runs scored and, and wild swings and things like that. So uh, that'll, that'll be another Know, interesting series, probably not going to be low scoring. I would I would think there's, there's going to be a lot of fireworks in that. Some variables for Alabama on the mound too. Ben Hess missed a start this past weekend, yeah. back injury, so that's a little bit up in the air. Garrett McMillan is back, but much like Cade Smith, is like not stretched out, and and they're still working him back. So you can't just roll him out there and be like, okay, go go give us six strong. So there's that. Um, Something I've been thinking about with Alabama is that they're just a really solid all-around team, but increasingly in the SEC, it feels like you you really need something to hang your hat on that can bail you out. 
And even Mississippi State, I think we've seen that like that offense can bail their pitching staff out. Auburn's offense can bail that pitching staff out. Like mm-hmm. Kentucky's pitching staff, there have been days where the offense is kind of stuck in neutral, but Kentucky's pitching staff has bailed the offense out and just haven't seen a ton of that from Alabama. There's no one facet of that team that I look at and go, that's where they're hanging their hat. And, and that's where when things are really clicking, that they're an elite unit in the SEC. And, you know, the, the trade-off for that is that they also don't have a, a weakness that's like, oh my God, they need to cover that up. You know, the bullpen has been rough the last few days, but they have a lot of good arms out there. They've been great at other yeah. times. And we know how talented the rotation is when it's healthy. And that lineup, one through, like, frankly, 13, is pretty solid with guys who can get the job done. But where are they elite? And and I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe there is no answer. And I think that I think in this version of the SEC where it seems like every team has at least one elite unit, maybe maybe that's an issue. I don't know. I'm not saying that definitively as much as I'm asking it as a question and just kind of putting it out into the universe. Well, their best player was Hess, and now he's injured. Who knows for how long yet? But, uh, I mean, that's, you know, that, again, when you lose your ace, it kind of it changes roles and everybody's got to move around and, and you know, you you, you – if you're an Alabama fan, you're probably wondering, okay, well, if Hess is healthy and he gives us a solid start in game one, do we win the series, right? Because it kind of moves people around and use them all on, in, in game one, and maybe they're available to not blow the game late, you know, later, or maybe you win that game. So it's it, 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 that's the that's kind of the beauty and the flaw of SEC baseball because the teams are tightly together. And little, you know, not having a guy or or how you respond and some un, unsung person can step forward and flourish. That That's kind of the beauty of this because it doesn't take a whole lot to swing a series. And and, and I think that that's going to be, you know, one of the one of the cool things for us to watch going forward is, is who knows? How do you project project how this thing's going to finish? Who's going to win the league? Who's going to? Who's going to host? Who's going to make it to Hoover? All right? Who's going to be in the region and be a bubble team watching all watching all the the conference tournament upsets on the final week? All of that's fascinating to to go into. And this year, probably more than most, because there's no one, there's no anchor to pull everyone down. There's it's kind of tightly bunched together. Uh, it's it, it's it really is. Everyone's going to have something to play for all year. We certainly learned a lot in, in week eight. Week nine is looking like another good one, although we can say that every week in the SEC. But some of the highlights, South Carolina visiting Vanderbilt, Tennessee visiting Arkansas. That one should be a lot of fun. That was a series that didn't get played last year that was highly anticipated that, that will get played this year. So looking forward to that. And, you know, Kentucky going to LSU has its share of intrigue, especially with Kentucky hitting a speed bump. So a lot of a lot of good stuff ahead. Uh, but that is going to do it for this episode of Highway to Hoover. Uh, thanks again to Brock's Gap Brewing Company for their sponsorship of this podcast all season. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Mark for joining me as always. We'll talk to y'all soon.